ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Christine Lisi. This just in. Receiver Marquise Lee has opted out of the NFL season, becoming the seventh Patriots player to do so. Lee said protecting his newborn daughter at the core of his decision. No other NFL team has more players opting out. Marlins second baseman Isan Diaz is opting out of the 2020 baseball season. He consistently tested negative amid the team's coronavirus outbreak but decided to become the first Miami player to opt out. 18 Marlins players, three members of the team's traveling party, all tested positive for COVID-19. The Marlins were told this morning they had no new positive tests. NBA Maverick center Kristaps Porzingis called last night's loss to the Rockets a great one for them, one where they'll have to learn from and see what they could have done better to close out the game. Dallas blew a double-digit fourth quarter lead, a seven-point lead with 45 seconds to go, and a four-point lead early in overtime. Part of the Mavs problem, James Harden, obviously. Harden and Russell Westbrook could be a reason Houston makes a deep playoff run, says ESPN's John Barry. When you have a guy that's capable of putting up 60 points on any given night and another guy in Russell Westbrook that has energy for days and a small ball lineup that people could have trouble guarding. I, I like this team a lot. Westbrook had 31 last night. WNBA ESPN's Holly Rowe reporting that x-rays on the sprained ankle of New York Liberty rookie Sabrina Ionescu were negative. The team is still awaiting results of the MRI on the first overall pick in this year's draft. She was hurt in last night's game. Major League Baseball on ESPN Radio. The Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees. Today at 6.30 Eastern and tomorrow at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. VirginiaHorseRacing.com Across Virginia, from the Tidewater to the Shenandoah Valley, from the summer thoroughbred season at Colonial Downs in New Kent to the fall harness meet at Shenandoah Downs in Woodstock, from steeplechase meets like the Virginia Gold Cup at Great Meadow or Foxfield or Middleburg or Montpelier to point-to-point race action on VirginiaHorseRacing.com. Find them on Facebook. It's a great resource. In addition to live races, Virginia residents can wager horse racing online seven days a week via four Virginia Racing Commission approved industry partner sites. TVG.com, ExpressBet.com, TwinSpires.com, and NYRABets.com. Find out more at VirginiaHorseRacing.com. Ashland's Eagle Point Farm, located in Richmond's rich traditional thoroughbred country, an area that produced the immortal Secretariat. Eagle Point Farm graduates excel at racetracks throughout the Mid-Atlantic, but race at Colonial Downs with a home field advantage. Now managed by Karen Dennehy-Gotze, Eagle Point Farm is in its third generation of breeding, breaking, raising, and racing thoroughbreds. You can see why their 44-stall barn stays near capacity. They're developing horses trained on a four-and-a-half furlong irrigated training track. Licensed You can see why their 44-stall barn stays near capacity. They're developing horses trained on a four-and-a-half furlong irrigated training track. Licensed trainers, experienced riders. 
and the return of racing at Colonial Downs in 2019. Eagle Point Farms captured the $100,000 Tyson Gilpin Stakes with What the Beep. It's What the Beep who comes up calling after the lead. English Harris tries to battle on toward the inside, but What the Beep has all the momentum, and What the Beep wins the Tyson Gilpin. 200 acres of paddocks, round pens, gallops, and care. Ask about the Virginia Certified Residency Program and have your thoroughbreds take flight at Eagle Point Farm in Ashland and online at eaglepointfarm.com. Mic check one, two, testing one, two. Calendars for the biggest night of racing in Charlestown history. For the first time, the Grade 2 Charlestown Classic and Grade 3 Charlestown Oaks will be run on the same night, Friday, August 28th. This wild and wonderful card features seven stakes races worth over $1.2 million combined. The special first post time is scheduled for 5 o'clock Eastern under the Friday night lights. It's the Grade 2 Charlestown Classic and Grade 3 Charlestown Oaks on Friday, August 28th here at Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. And Max Scherzer with his eight. The boys of summer are finally playing ball. Going back, going way back, and it's gone. The major leagues are pitching and hitting in the 60-game race to make the postseason. It's a season like no other. New rules, new schedules, new strategies. And we're on top of it all. Get the latest MLB news, COVID-19 updates, the inside word from across the league, and more on 99.5 and 102.7 ESPN. It doesn't matter if you walk, skip, bike, jog, skateboard, or pogo stick. When you head outside, take us along. If you've got your phone, you've got us. Listen to our live stream at ESPNRichmond.com. When you're in college, sleep is important. But thanks to your studies and busy schedule, you might not be getting as much rest as you need. That old mattress you've had since you were a kid, though, it's just not cutting it. Upgrade your sleep experience with a locally made, hand-built mattress from the original Mattress Factory. We offer a variety of mattresses, including twin extra long, to suit every comfort preference and to fit every budget. And we deliver right to you. Visit an OMF store near you or go to OriginalMattress.com to learn more. This is Greg Trzynski from the Original Mattress Factory. Our entire team would like to thank you for the support you have shown us over the last few months. The safety of our customers and employees remains our top priority. We have implemented safety measures in our stores, factories, and throughout the delivery process. We are monitoring the latest guidance from healthcare officials and local governments, and we will adjust our policies and services accordingly. Please visit OriginalMattress.com or give your local store a call to learn more about these measures. Races powered by the Racing Biz, your independent voice for racing and breeding in the Mid Atlantic. On the web at theracingbiz.com. On the radio on ESPN Richmond, it's off to the races. Here's Nick Hahn. What do you say now? We're off to the races. Just a little bit off schedule as we get moving on this Saturday morning. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. Opening day has come and gone actually opening evening at colonial downs it was an eerie opening evening following the heat delay that surfaced on monday uh postponed opening of the meet at colonial downs till tuesday but um 
on Tuesday, a little bit of a lightning delay and a little bit of a temperature delay, but the racing inside the rails was stupendous. And uh, one of the things, we've got a chance to see a little bit of opening day at Colonial Downs. Uh, got to see maybe half of a card there personally uh, from very afar. Very tight standards at Colonial Downs, uh, masking everything in place. Um, just kind of hard to get inside the chains there at Colonial Downs, but very apparent from the very beginning of the meet is that between the jockeys and the trainers and just the essential horsemen that are there at Colonial Downs, they definitely miss you guys. They miss the fans at Colonial Downs. That was very apparent from the onset, the jockeys, the trainers, the horsemen. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to win at Colonial Downs, but they like to win with people in the grandstand there and, uh, and perform and um, maybe finish in the money or whatever uh, excellence occurs inside the rails there. And the um, that was very clear from multiple sources that they, they do miss the fans there at Colonial Downs. Want to just kind of go quickly, let you know what's happening on this week's show here. Uh, we have Daryl Wood in mere minutes. Uh, Frank Vespi will join us. Jason Beam, the track announcer, you heard him in the opening introducing the meet. He will uh, join us at about 1022 or so. Forced Voice, the leading rider of the meet, will join us. She had a win in the Camp Town Stakes, a great win there for uh, what the beep uh, in the Camp Town will... Uh, recap that race and then of course derby bill watson in the last segment of the show but let's go uh let's just recap because um this is just was the highlight race uh from last week in the san diego out at del mar this had a field of five including the unofficial winner of the 2019 kentucky derby um maximum security the highlight overwhelming favorite in this race for others uh, in the field and higher power with Flavian Pratt uh, getting a little bit of money to challenge a new rider on maximum security Abel Cedillo uh, in the saddle for uh, new trainer Bob Baffert and uh, here's how the San Diego handicap happened last week out at Del Mar and it's mid-court off the turn. Maximum Security comes up to him on the outside. Axeman is down the center. Higher power and combatant. Maximum Security still has to get by mid-court. Mid-court fighting him all the way down to the wire. Maximum Security has the lead. Mid-court, it's going to be a photo finish. Was it Maximum Security? Was it mid-court? It was maximum security for Gary and Mary West. Bob Baffert, the uh, trainer there, and uh, lightning rod horse just kind of keeps going and keeps winning and lets his performance on the track do his talking for him there. So uh, congratulations to those connections. Uh, and we'll have a lot more from Del Mar as the shared belief is today a Kentucky Derby uh, prep race as long as a grade one alongside the shared belief. Shared belief is the second race on the Del Mar card today. Uh, but later in the card, they also run the Bing Crosby out there. So uh, we'll have plenty of that with Derby Bill later in the show. But first off, want to get to uh, Daryl Wood, who joins us now and off to the races. Uh, greetings, Daryl Wood. Good morning, Nick. Good morning. Hope everything, uh, if, if it seems like you're up and at them uh, after a, a Carbon Leaf concert uh, from last night. Uh, man, if you didn't have enough to do this week, you had to fit Carbon Leaf into your calendar as well. Uh, wanted to get maybe your thoughts on Carbon Leaf, but also uh, just your thoughts on what was a little bit of an erratic uh, opening week, not really from a 
operation standpoint at Colonial Downs, but having to adopt uh, adapt to the many changing conditions. Uh, you know, thoughts on Carbon Leaf? Thoughts on the first week of racing at Colonial Downs? Well, I mean, I think uh, the word for Colonial that I use is quirky. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, the opening day on Monday was canceled due to the extreme heat. Tuesday's card was delayed by an hour for heat. Then in the middle of it got delayed again because of a thunderstorm. So kind of a quirky beginning, but the betting handle has been rock solid considering everything. And the uh, the action on the track, as you mentioned also, was uh, was stellar. I mean, we've got, when you take the three top trainers, uh, nationally recognized names like Chuck McGahee and Todd Pletcher and Wesley Ward, those three combined have had six starts at Colonial, and all six have reached the winner's circle. So it's 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 a testament to the to, to, to the folks that are putting the races on and to the to the whole new concept of Colonial Downs after the four or five year gap. So off to a good start. There's actually a special makeup card tomorrow afternoon at five thirty on a Sunday. Uh, so looking forward to that. And yeah, there's a sense of normalcy this week with with live racing and uh, live music happening at the same week. So that's kind of a kind of a good feeling. Handle's been good. The meet's done what many thought it would do. Handle opening night was over just over $1.1 million. Uh, what's kind of funny is I, I know there's limited seating there, but there was actually about $12,000 on track, 15000 the following night, uh, either coming from the horsemen or just the very limited seating that's there at Colonial Downs. The following night, Wednesday, almost t- tripped over $1.3 million in handle. So people are watching watching the races at Colonial Downs. Yeah, on, uh, actually on Wednesday, the, the tipping point was the $30,000 place that on Largent, uh, Todd Pletcher's uh, favorite in the Evans Stakes, uh, and that's what got it over the uh, the $1.3 million figure. But, yeah, the, the action's been great. Um, about seven of nine races every night are on turf. Uh, it looks good on TV. The presentation is good. I know that we've got the uh, the, the operator of the video system uh, is working uh, Laurel and then comes down here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So it's a really good uh, operation. If you've seen the the, the the video on TVG. Uh, it's it's a nice presentation, and uh, we've got four straight days of racing coming up Sunday through Wednesday, all at five thirty. So uh, we're rolling. Yeah, got a big stack of PPs to go through here immediately after <laughs> the show. Uh, wanted to. Uh, <laughs> You get a very unique perspective. I mean, this it's a bizarre meet, but it really must be bizarre for you because when these cats come back to the winner's circle, uh, they see the track photographer and they see you, uh, you having that unprecedented uh, that access. Well, you've always had the access, but you never had it like solely. I mean, you're basically the if vabrad.org, you can see some of the pictures that Daryl's taken. But I mean. Uh, you're in a role where uh, you know you're channeling everything from on track to the audience off track in many ways um, along with Merv and Jason who we'll have later in the show but you know tell us what that's like a little bit well I, I, again I think the word is quirky um, it uh, when the horses turn for home and and you don't hear a whisper it's really odd um, We're going to change you know, that in a minute, Belmont but go ahead. I watched on TV, and I thought NBC did a really nice presentation with that, but there was still that the, a bit of an emptiness feel, and it's the same here for sure. Um, I was not actually at the starting gate for three races Wednesday doing a piece on the starter that's gonna, that I'm going to do here this weekend, but 
I mean, it's almost like you were just out there for yourselves in a practice arena. Uh, you, you couldn't see people. You couldn't hear people. Uh, just very different times. But like you said, there is limited seating. Uh, the Jockey Club on the third floor has got tables for two. Those are available. There's bedding windows. The bar is open. So if you want to come out to the track, you can do it. You just got to be inside the third floor in the Jockey Club dining room. Yeah, that's something. One last question, just something I shared earlier in the show. Uh, it seems like they're keeping all the population separate. In fact, I got caught on the wrong side of a door on opening night to where uh, I, I could not go back into the grandstand. But uh, the, the horsemen are, are together. The, the uh, you know, if you go to Rosie's, they're all together. They're keeping everything separate. That's obviously an objective toward their COVID plan. Um, but I've, I did get a chance to hear from a few jocks and a few trainers about how they miss the fans in the meet. Uh, what is the feedback that you've received? Yeah, pretty much the same too. It's uh, it, it's <laughs> it's dark. It's uh, it's uh, there, there's not there's not that vibe. Um, definitely. The once the horses leave the paddock area and go on the track for the race, the trainers and the grooms can only extend a little bit farther toward the winter circle they still got to stay way back you'll never see them on camera they're barely on the tarmac itself so you know colonial rightly is erring on the side of caution in every aspect of the operations from the backstretch to the race day operations on the track and track side and then inside to the rosies on the first and third floor so uh, hopefully we get through this uh kind of treat this meet as an aside but in the meanwhile uh 1.3 million dollar handle uh, was you know was set on Wednesday and hopefully it's only going to grow from there. So players are, are paying attention to Virginia racing around the country and and look forward to uh, to four straight days here starting tomorrow at five thirty. Yeah, looking forward to watching it and uh, thanks, Daryl, for joining us on Off to the Races. We'll let you go back and rehydrate. <laughs> all right off to the daryl wood on off to the race is going to bring in frank vespi of the racing biz who joins us now on off to the races and frank uh welcome to the show and uh we have opening week at colonial downs we got uh you know racing an abundance of racing really throughout the the mid-atlantic uh what's happening with the racing biz this week Hey, Nick, all kinds of stuff going on all over the, the Mid-Atlantic, as you said, racing today uh, at uh, Laurel, at Delaware, at Monmouth, at Charlestown, at Parks, at Penn National. Actually, I think not Penn National. Uh, and actually not Parks, now that I mentioned Parks is going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, but still, uh, lots of racing and, and good to have Colonial back in the mix as well. And, and so... A lot of things going on and, and some fun stuff going on. There, there's a neat story we've got up right now on the racingbiz.com. Uh, a young woman named Kirsten Swan is, is a, kind of a triple threat. It's a thing I don't think I'd ever seen in racing before she did it last week, which was she was the owner, trainer, and jockey on a horse that won a race, a horse named Dean Demistress, who's an Arabian, uh, won a race at Delaware Park uh, at, during that meet uh, just about a week ago. I think it was, uh, I think it was actually the, the 23rd or thereabouts but uh, just a really cool story and to make it more amazing the very next day a guy did the same thing at monmouth park so i i literally had never heard of this in racing before in in 30 years of paying attention to racing and then it happens twice in two days in the mid-atlantic one at monmouth one at delaware 
you know, it's funny. I saw CC Lopez uh, won a race at, at Colonial Downs this week, and I was thinking when I we were kind of texting back and forth about, and we hope to have her on next week on Off to the Races, uh, Kirsten Swan. But the um, wondering about like if how it would ever look like at Colonial, and I started thinking about some of the older jocks, uh, CC Lopez, or uh, maybe Richard Boucher, who's not racing at Colonial currently. You know, but maybe an opportunity. Where we're, we're while we haven't seen it back to back that often, it does seem to be coming up a hair more frequently. So maybe we'll have an opportunity to to crown this here. Uh, wanted to maybe get your thoughts on uh, the beginnings of of racing at Colonial Downs here, and um, of you know what, the beginning of the meet. We you know what what have your thoughts on the meet so far? Well, it's obviously, you know, uh, Daryl was mentioning some of the uh, sort of glamorous national names that have been doing well, and obviously that's an important thing and it's important for PR purposes and whatnot. But I I guess for me, it's kind of cool to see some of the the old familiars uh, winning races, Karen Godsey, Ferris Allen, who you both, you had both of them on your show on the show last week and they both won last week at, at colonial or i guess really earlier this week at colonial uh forest boys who she won her first graded stake at colonial seven years ago now and back winning races there so kind of nice to see some of the old familiars doing well at colonial and i am not going to win any races as an owner at colonial but fun fact about me that when i did own horses the first race we ever won in our silks was at colonial downs well that certainly makes a colonial a landmark for you uh maybe just looking through the mid-atlantic here we have um something that's popped up this week on the racing biz uh are the leading trainers and the in the leading jockeys uh you know throughout you know kind of treating the mid-atlantic as a, as a state of uh, you know what what were your findings there through the racing biz well it was i i've always you know i think everybody everybody who pays attention to racing understands that you know just Putting oh this guy's the leading trainer, leading jockey because he won the most races. Uh, that doesn't really tell you anything. Is he winning races that matter? Is he winning? Uh, you know, is he winning important races? Is he winning with bottom maiden claimers or or whatever? And so I, I kind of wanted to come up with a little different way of measuring that. And and what we did was put together. Uh, wins and win percentage and earnings per start and also how the, uh, uh, wagering return on investment and, and how that, uh, you know, how people are doing combining all those numbers. And then we sort of com- compared them at each track to the average at that track and then, and then sort of compiled it all as a, as a state or a region wide list. And, uh, it actually it was it's kind of interesting because you you know you get guys you get a guy like uh, uh, you know Anthony Ferrier is a, is the leading uh, the, was the leading trainer with the with this metric and uh, at Cologne, uh, Charlestown rather and he's only made thirty seven starts there are lots of trainers that have made more starts than that so he wouldn't appear typically on a leaderboard but he's been winning with a high percentage he's been doing pretty well with the wagering ROI and. And, you know, so that turns him into a leader. And it, it, so it's kind of interesting to look at it 
in this alternative method and and you know likewise with uh with with the jockeys and the interesting thing about the jockeys you get a guy like trevor mccarthy who is uh not the leader but he appears on the leaderboard like three different times because he's been one of the leading riders at uh he had been at delaware at monmouth at laurel now he's going to be one of the leading riders at colonial so he's sort of all over the place but one one name that's a new name to me and i think to a lot of people that's on the leaderboard of the jockey ratings is alexander crispin who's a young apprentice rider riding at delaware and has been doing pretty well so far so it'd be interesting to see how his career develops yeah, certainly a, a wide span of uh, of jocks there. You mentioned Trevor McCarthy. He was a leading rider Colonial last year with 15 wins, but uh, he's a little behind Force Boyce, who joins us a little bit later on the show through two days of racing. It's still early. We got 16 to go. Frank, thanks for spending some time with us on Off to the Races this morning, and uh, and good luck. Always a pleasure, Nick, and uh, we'll be talking to you down the road great frank vespi of the racing bids.com uh we're we're starting fast we kind of we're a little bit like what to beep this morning uh on off to the races we're gonna go uh right to jason beam who is the track announcer has one of the best views of the racetrack during racing of course he has to have that as as he uh brings the call of the races to uh not only uh, the on track but certainly more importantly this year the the off track uh, viewers and jason now joins us on off to the races good morning jason hi nick yeah my uh, our uh, our on track uh, crowd is is uh is not hearing many calls right now <laughs> yeah i've heard a, heard a few this week uh jason wanted to dave rodman called the races at colonial downs uh yep. I mean, he was very talented. I grew up basically into racing uh, through David calling the races at Laurel and the post time from Pimlico, post time from Laurel shows. Uh, you've come in, and I mean that must have been a little bit of a hard role to to fill. Now that 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 Laurel and, and Colonial are basically last year they were more head to head than than this year, but because of the the covid situation it just forces a breakup and and you've come in and you know just kind of wanted to get your thoughts of not only following day but just of colonial at at large of you know when you first came to colonial downs what were your thoughts you know did the track meet your expectations what expectations did you have you know, I actually, uh, I when when I was approached about the position, Dave was the first person I called. I mean, I obviously knew he wasn't going to be going back uh, because of the the overlapping schedule and stuff. And so he kind of gave me the rundown of his impressions of you know the track and, and everything like that. And you know, certainly it was it's a, it's the same building, but it's obviously a much different experience now, right? With the the casino part of things, and then also it's just an entirely new team, ownership, management. Everybody is is pretty much new so uh, a lot of what i talked with dave about was just kind of the logistics stuff you know because every every booth is different and colonial is a very very difficult booth uh to call the dirt races on because the head of the stretch is so far down there and it's a flat window so you kind of have to smash your <laughs> yep. face up against the window to see that i actually what i do is when they get to about the 516th i just switch my can or my binoculars over to the big screen uh for about a 16th of a mile or so until they get to the 316th pole and and then I can go back to kind of live watching the uh, the call because it's, it's just a tricky spot. And the, the camera guys next to you, they have windows that flip up. And if you're, you know, 
if you're too tall, you can't see. And so it's it's tricky. But uh, once you kind of get the right setup, it's it's actually a pretty good booth. And uh, you know, the track itself, I didn't know it was so big. Like I knew obviously <laughs> the turf racing was great, and I'd watched it. I didn't know the dirt track was you know a mile and a quarter. And you know when they're when they're at the half mile pole there, they are really far away. And I mean, I have really good binoculars, and they're still pretty small. So. Um, but I mean, the facility is great. It's it's clean. It's comfortable. Um, I mean, I, I uh, you know I, I've actually had a couple jobs over the years where, you know, my first time visiting them was to literally fill out my hiring paperwork and stuff. So it's kind of weird going to a place where you're you know you're going to work at and you have no real knowledge of it. And so uh, it was certainly a learning experience last year and didn't take very long this year to kind of feel back at home. And I kind of know some of the the little tricks. I mean, the the light that are on because the booth is on the right side of the uh press box and the big lights are right to my right and they kind of create a little bit of an optical illusion once it gets dark outside so i i knew all that from last year so this year the the transition was much easier and the and the fields are a little smaller but the that yep. hasn't diminished the racing it's just the universe we live in in 2020 uh want to bring up a race call here uh from I guess this was Wednesday night. Uh, this is here the uh, call of the Edward P. Evans. It only had four horses after scratches, uh, but it, it kind of shows how tightly packed the racing has been on the turf, and and also um, just you know how maybe the favorite how they treat the favorite coming out of the gate. Um, you know all these um, longer shots trying to gain a little bit of an advantage. We saw that with large and mainly with Largent and, and, and Bolden. Here's your call of the Edward P. Evans um, from earlier in the week. Still plenty of chances, all four of them, and with the chances they come toward the top of the stretch. River Deep up on the outside now, coming up on level terms with Carbon Data. Largent waits for room in behind us, and Bolden keeping that one pinned in. They have three sixteenths of a mile left to go. Carbon Data resilient down toward the inside, and Bolden down the far outside. Now Largent sees daylight and comes to split runners. Final sixteenth to go. Largent and Bolden. Carbon Data battles on down toward the inside. Largent hits the front, and Bolden on the outside trying to go with that one. It's Largent in front, though. Largent just too good and wins the Edward P. Evans. It was only a four-horse race, but uh, Largent had to find space among those uh, four starters, giving uh, Todd Pletcher uh, one of his three wins uh, on the meet so far. And and Jason, uh, I know there weren't too many people there, but man, they were really enthusiastic about the Edward P. Evans. <laughs> now, it was it, it was funny. Guy, I was I was thinking about it afterwards. I mean, Tyler Connor had a couple of those for Pletcher because Farmington Road was kind of the same thing, right? Saving ground and and waiting in a small field, but had to wait for room. And with Farmington Road, I would argue it even he even had less uh, margin for error because he was kind of running out of time there. But uh, I mean, large and, and emboldened. I had talked with one of Emboldened's owners after the races, and I was like, man, you're going to be just fine because that horse the beach is pretty darn good. And uh, yeah, those those were two very nice horses. And I agree with you on the the tactical thing for the long shots, like. You know they they have to do that. Me and Merv were discussing before that uh, Edward P. Evans that you know it was certainly because all four of those horses have shown speed, and so it was going to be interesting to see how it tactically played out. And I think the long shots did what they had to do, like they tried to get to the lead and you know steal it if they can. And that that five horse I'm forgetting the name right now, but ran a pretty dynamite race. Uh, was not beaten all that much by the top two. Yeah, that was carbon data uh, in that race. But yep, the um, wanted to give you an opportunity here to maybe just give a little bit of background on on Bet America. Uh, uh, 
website that you created that involves sports betting, horse betting, uh, and and uh, also maybe the Beamies. Uh, we had Barry Spears on the show about a month ago. Hope to bring him back here during the Colonial Meet to do some handicapping. May, might bring him in with Derby Bill. That'd be something. Barry Spears and Derby Bill in the same segment. Might might have to try that. But the um, just wanted to kind of give you know how how did the Beamies come about and tell us a little bit about Bet America. Well, so the Beamies were just a kind of a dumb idea I had. I thought it would, you know, I thought it would be funny to do a kind of a mock award show, but ba- you know, make it more about kind of the absurdities of horse racing Twitter, and you know, show the best you know fight between racing people and you know best jokes and all that kind of stuff. And I just did it on a lark one year. God, it would have been 2014, and uh, and it kind of gr- gained traction pretty quick. So uh, I've done it the last. I think we've done six of them now, and. It's basically to me. It's just a comedy show. It's it's a it's a fun night for people that are on Twitter and racing to kind of get together and hopefully laugh at ourselves a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of ridiculousness in racing, and so I don't have a problem with that. Uh, as far as Bet America, um, they actually hired me. They, they were a, an existing ADW company for a lot of years, and um, and they hired me as a as a content creator to do a daily podcast, which I did for four years for them, and then. Churchill Downs bought Bet America in 2018, I think, and so I got uh, I got traded over to, to Twins Fire. So I do a daily podcast for them now, and um, I'm actually uh, you're you're having Forrest on after me. I'm having Forrest on my show next week, so uh, <laughs> lots of a Forrest boys uh, getting out there. But yeah, it's uh, you know I, I just love that I get to be able to talk racing for a living. Like it's just such an incredible honor, and uh, and you know announcing is kind of a, a part of my overall uh, a role. So. Yeah, well, uh, we'll have to. We'll be tracking the Beamies and uh, yeah, Forest Boys. We, we glad we glad I reached out to her this week because uh, she may have been unavailable next week. Oh, <laughs> but I mean, uh, what 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 a weekend she had though, huh? For the first yeah. meet. Six wins, six wins, and uh, twelve starts so far, and leading, yep. leading rider of the meet. Uh, so, great. Well, thanks, Jason, for joining us on Off to the Races this morning. Uh, we appreciate it, and we'll be listening to your calls uh, beginning uh, on Sunday this week. That's right, four day week. Yeah. All right, everybody, have a good day. Great. Jason Beam, track announcer at Colonial Downs. We're going to take a quick break here on Off to the Races. When we come back, Force Boyce will join us. Uh, she was the winning rider aboard What the Beep in the camp town earlier this week. You're listening to Off to the Races. For nearly 100 years, folks have trusted Blue Star medicated ointment to relieve the pain and itching of almost any skin irritation. It works on my son's dry itching feet and their jock itch. I had this rash on my neck. Nothing worked until Blue Star. Blue Star worked great on my ringworm without steroids. My wife and I have been using Blue Star for years. It's never let us down. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. Have you wanted to speak a new language but thought it would be too difficult? Then try Babbel. Babbel starts by teaching you words and phrases that gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations. So in 15 minutes a day, you'll be speaking a new language in a few weeks. Babbel is built around real life. It teaches you practical conversations that you will actually use. Babbel, language for life. Now try Babbel for free. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a language today. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. Remember, when you work from home, no one will know what you put in your coffee. The coronavirus. Let's make the best of it. This is 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. 
Three sixteenths of a mile left to go in the camp town. And it's up front. What the beep? What the beep leads him to the furlong pole. Still clear by three and a half. Bell Aurora might be the main danger at this point. Tan and tight in between runners. Solarte still plugging away down toward the inside. What the beep has to make another sixteenth. Tan and tight. And Bell Aurora chasing. It's what the beep is getting leg weary here in the final yards. But what the beep gonna hold on, I think, to win the camp town. Yeah, there not a whole lot of blues around Eagle Point this past week. Uh, for for that call in the race, that was, uh, you heard the crowd noise. I think that was Daryl Wood, Karen Dennehy, Godsey, uh, maybe a few others, uh, but they generated a whole lot of noise. Now, if, if Major League Baseball can do it and the NBA can do it, we can do it here on Off to the Races. We're going to play all the Colonial Downs race recaps with a little bit of uh, backing from that crowd like you would usually hear. Uh, but it must be it must be a little bit strange for the jocks and for Forrest Boyce. Um, I don't know. Maybe she doesn't want the crowd back because she's having a sensational sensational meet so far, uh, winning the Camptown Stakes, uh, leading jockey of the meet after two days with six wins and 12 starts. Forrest now joins us on Off to the Races. Good morning, Forrest. Good morning. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us on uh, on the show this morning. And, uh, yeah, you're sitting on top six wins and 11 starts on the turf. Uh, Trevor McCartney, McCarthy has two wins on the dirt, uh, three wins in the meet, uh, actually five wins in the meet so far. Uh, Tyler Connor with three wins. And then the veteran, CeCe Lopez, two wins and six starts. But uh, I see you have 17 Let's see, you have 21 mounts over the next four days coming from 17 different trainers. Uh, we're going to, first of all, wish you good luck with that in those starts. But also, uh, I mean, you're becoming a go-to uh, rider for a lot of different trainers. You must really relish that role here at Colonial so far. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, fortunately, my business has always been uh, pretty diverse. So it pays off when you have a ship in me like this. Yeah, the uh, it's uh, it, it, certainly people are recognizing your talent. Of course, it goes way back to Colonial Downs 1.0. One of your more uh, famous wins was in the Virginia Oaks. It happened to actually be on the last day that Colonial raced as under the uh, previous ownership with Nellie Cashman in the in the Virginia Oaks. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe take us back to uh, at that point. That may have been, if not the biggest win of your career, or certainly one of the biggest wins back there uh, seven years ago. Uh, what do you What do you remember of that day? Uh, I remember that day. I had ridden the, a few big races up at Delaware, and um, we jumped on a plane, a couple of jacks and I, and we flew down to Colonial. And, um, you know, I, I feel like it was a little bit of the same setup as what the Beeps race. I remember there wasn't a whole lot of pace in the race, and I thought, oh, my only shot here is going to be to go out on the front end. And uh, fortunately, Nellie was able to make it happen. That was a pretty spectacular win because uh, it was still pretty early on in my career. Yeah, it's a landmark, uh, landmark win early on. Uh, take, going back to w- the race there, the Camptown Stakes, um, I mean, that was a quick start out of the gate. 
uh, for you in the camp down stakes, emerging with the lead, but then, uh, you know, Tan and Tight made a run after you, Bella Aurora, uh, you know, they were, you were running out of horse there a little bit at the wire. <laughs> I was really yeah. surprised that the odds, I mean, six to one on that horse after winning a stake uh, previously, that was, that was shocking to me. I figure that horse would have been bet down uh, considerably, but, uh, you know, what, what were your thoughts coming into, uh, you know, the final half furlong there and, and, you know, maybe take us through the race? Uh, yeah, so like I said, it was a race that didn't have a whole lot of pace on paper. And so I thought my best opportunity was to go out there and, you know, try to dictate it. Uh, and that last furlong, we kind of had to eke it out. And luckily she was able to hold on. Because um, this year, she'd won the race last year, and the horses that she competed against weren't that tough. But this year, with Stidham, Bella Aurora, or uh, Mike Trump added Bella Aurora, and then Stidham, Philly, it was a pretty solid race. And so she was up against much more difficult company, and I think that's also probably why her her odds were a little bit longer. Yeah, certainly the uh, the hometown horseman there, Eagle Point, delivering the win. Uh, you know, you made it. It was kind of a tough circumstance coming into the meet. Your plan probably wasn't to stay at Colonial. Uh, th- maybe it was uh, th- through the whole meet, not commute as many jocks had planned. But you know, with the colonies really being anchored this year uh, due to the COVID, you know, there were decisions to make leading leading into the meet. You know, what what were your thoughts and and what made you uh, pinpoint Colonial? Uh, it's funny you should ask. Yeah, it was a big decision to make because uh, I'm, you know, known as a Maryland rider. And uh, the races that I'd like to ride haven't really been going back home. And so I had my agent discuss it with Shug McGay, find out where he was going to run the majority of his horses, and uh, decided to go where he was going. Because he's been a huge supporter, and... I, I love riding his horses, and so that's why I chose Colonial. I think I saw last year that you I did not. I know you didn't win a race on the dirt. Did you actually race on the dirt, or did you just? You know, there's so much turf racing at Colonial. It's probably not that shocking a statistic. But uh, you know, what what do you find about just the turf? I mean, that had to be part of the lure of coming to Colonial as well. Oh, I love the turf course at Colonial. Uh, Colonial was kind of where I got rolling when I had the bug. Um, I feel like overall, all the years I've ridden there, I've only ridden the dirt a handful of times. Um, Because there were days when it would rain and they would come off the dirt and wind up on the turf (laughs) and stuff. But yeah, last year I didn't ride the dirt at all there. Uh, Yeah, I love the turf. The turf there plays pretty fair. And so, you know, you just try to ride the smartest race you can. Yeah, well, you've had a lot of smart rides and uh, certainly uh, a lot of smart rides coming up. So, um, well, we thank you for spending some time with us on Off to the Races this morning. And and good luck uh, throughout the rest of the meet. And uh, for the moment, they're all looking at you, uh, all the (laughs) jockeys uh, standing on top, the jockey standing. So uh, we hope you, you relish that and we wish you continued success. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great day.
Great. Forrest Boyce joining us, uh, leading rider Colonial Downs. Uh, we're going to take just a brief break and go to the anchor leg of off to the races after the break. That's Derby Bill Watson. There's racing at Saratoga, a lot of big stakes races uh, throughout the, the country, especially Del Mar and Saratoga this weekend. And we'll get into the handicapping with Derby Bill when we come back. Stay tuned. Mark your calendars for the biggest night of racing in Charlestown history. For the first time, the Grade 2 Charlestown Classic and Grade 3 Charlestown Oaks will be run on the same night, Friday, August 28th. This wild and wonderful card features seven stakes races worth over $1.2 million combined. The special first post time is scheduled for 5 o'clock Eastern under the Friday Night Lights. It's the Grade 2 Charlestown Classic and Grade 3 Charlestown Oaks on Friday, August 28th here at Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. What is love? You can't buy it at the store, but it can be found. Love is when the sun warms the back of your neck. Love is leaves crunching under your shoes. Love is the salt off the ocean breeze. Love is a person. Love is a moment. Love is a place. And when you're ready, it's here, waiting to be found. Virginia is for lovers. Furnished by Virginia Tourism Corporation. ESPN Richmond is an Urban One radio station, minority-controlled and operated, and serving the African-American community for over 40 years. This is 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. Live racing has returned at Maryland Jockey Club. The summer 2020 meet is currently being conducted Friday and Saturdays at Laurel Park under the industry's most stringent health and safety protocols. Although Laurel Park is closed to the general public, fans can watch and wager on the action at laurelpark.com and on the First Bet app, the official betting app of the Maryland Jockey Club. First race post time is 12.40 p.m. For more information on the summer 2020 racing schedule, visit www.laurelpark.com. VirginiaHorseRacing.com Across Virginia from the Tidewater to the Shenandoah Valley From the summer thoroughbred season at Colonial Downs in New Kent To the fall harness meet at Shenandoah Downs in Woodstock From steeplechase meets like the Virginia Gold Cup at Great Meadow Or Foxfield or Middleburg Or Montpelier to point-to-point race action on virginiahorseracing.com. Find them on Facebook. It's a great resource. In addition to live races, Virginia residents can wager horse racing online seven days a week via four Virginia Racing Commission-approved industry partner sites. TVG.com, ExpressBet.com, TwinSpires.com, and NYRABets.com. Find out more at virginiahorseracing.com. Ashland's Eagle Point Farm, located in Richmond's rich traditional thoroughbred country, an area that produced the immortal Secretariat. Eagle Point Farm graduates excel at racetracks throughout the Mid-Atlantic, but race at Colonial Downs with a home field advantage. Now managed by Karen Dennehy-Gotze, Eagle Point Farm is in its third generation of breeding, breaking, raising, and racing thoroughbreds. You can see why their 44-stall barn stays near capacity. They're developing horses trained on a four-and-a-half furlong irrigated training track. Licensed trainers, experienced riders. In the return of racing at Colonial Downs in 2019, Eagle Point Farms captured the $100,000 Tyson Gilpin Stakes with What the Beep. It's What the Beep who comes up calling after the lead. English Harris tries to battle on toward the inside, but What the Beep has all the momentum, and What the Beep wins the Tyson Gilpin. 200 acres of paddocks, round pens, gallops, and care. 
Ask about the Virginia Certified Residency Program and have your thoroughbreds take flight at Eagle Point Farm in Ashland and online at eaglepointfarm.com. From the G Law Firm Studios, your personal injury attorneys. 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. WXGI Richmond. WTPS Petersburg. And we're back live on Off to the Races. I'm your host, Nick Hahn. Just looking at the weather a little bit as we listen to Scuffletown coming out of the break. Scuffletown. Great, uh, great duet band uh, here in the Charlottesville area. If you got local music, send it to me. I'd love to play it on Off to the Races. Uh, we love playing that local music here in Virginia. Hey, Robin Thompson took us out at the uh, beginning of the show. That was actually the first concert I ever went to. Uh, they were playing at Eastside Speedway, just north of Waynesboro, Virginia, where I grew up. And, uh, you know, it couldn't have been more than 12, 13 years old. And listen to the sweet Virginia breeze as we did at the uh, top of the show. The weather at Colonial Downs this week, Sunday's weather warms 95 degrees, but only a 10% chance of rain. Remember, they have that 330 steeplechase, three steeplechase races to start the card, but then the regular racing uh, on the flat, the thoroughbred race. Racing uh, begins at 5.30 on Sunday. Nine races on the card. On Monday and Tuesday, expect the thunderstorms. 80 to 90% chance of thunderstorms on both of those days. Wednesday might get a little bit back to normal uh, with that 20%. Uh, that hurricane uh, that could be moving up the seaboard, certainly probably a factor on that Monday and Tuesday. So that's probably why that's uh, in the forecast more than anything else. Um just another note before we get to Derby Bill here. I wanted to recognize the Hansel winner. That was uh, David Ross, uh, the perennial, Mr. Perennial, as we call him, the leading owner at Colonial Downs. Two wins already among his four starters, and one of those was the Hansel winner, Galami, uh, with Trevor McCarthy. Trevor won three of the first four races of the meet at Colonial Downs, and uh, Michael Stidham uh, giving him the win there. The trainer standings, Pletcher is three for three. Shug McGahee's two for two. Uh, Michael Stidham with three wins and seven starts. Um, Karen, if you Derby Bill sent me this earlier and uh, I'm sure he'll have a comment about this. When you start looking at the earnings for the trainers, uh, it reads something like Pletcher, McCarthy, Stidham, I may not have those in exact order. And then fourth is Karen Dennehy Godsey. So she's got a little work to do to crack that top three. Uh, Derby Bill joins us and off to the races. Good morning, Derby Bill. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure. Uh, not, this year, not so much as a pleasure, but it's still good to have live racing in Virginia and live racing at Saratoga at the same time. I, I couldn't hear you, Bill, if you said always a pleasure or always a pletcher. Pletcher's three for three, so maybe that's, I guess they both, you know, both can be true. But um, let's maybe start with the shared belief um, we'll get your thoughts on the meet uh, in the closing segment so far. But um, you may have some roll with the changes updates in the shared belief, which at the moment I think has a field of six. Um, I printed these on both sides, so it just kind of makes it a little harder to follow here. But Uncle Chuck, Honor AP, Cezanne, um probably headline these top three the the field so far uh tell us a little bit about the shared belief 
Yeah, the shared belief will be sharing some gorgeous weather. Surf where it meets the turf. Del Mar, 74 degrees and sunny. It's tough out there mm. in Los in the San Diego area. Shared belief, uh, the significance is the Kentucky Derby points on the line. 50, 20, 10, and 5 go to the winners of this race as we get really close to the Kentucky Derby. All four in this race will get Derby points. You ask me why? Because Uncle Chuck scratched. He's running in the Travers. And Ana de Ora also going to pull out and go to the Ellis Park Derby next weekend. So we only have four horses in a four-horse race uh, with points going to every horse. So the last place will get five Kentucky Derby points. A uh, thousand words, Nick. Oh, he already has 33 points for the Derby. So, But getting a second place here would pretty much secure it with 50 points getting in the Kentucky Derby this year probably. Uh, kiss today goodbye. The big long shot has no derby points and no chance in this race, but at least get five points for running in the race. And a check. Honor AP is the star here. Four uh, four to five or last three to five, you'll get pennies on your dollar. Mike Smith up. Santa Anita Derby winner. Uh, best West Coast, West Coast three-year-old on the Kentucky Derby Trail. And then you get upstart Bob Bafford with Sazine. So they paid the owners paid three point six five million bucks for this horse, and the horse needs some points. So, a second place will get him twenty, but he really needs an upset. At five to two, his morning line was he needs an upset to get in the Kentucky Derby. Flavian Pratt rides the uh, hottest rider on the West Coast this year for Bob Bafford. So, down to four horses, Nick. Sorry about that. Uh, it's, hey, they'll, they'll take the points, even though horses like maybe Honor AP doesn't need them. Mike Smith gets them out there for John Sheriffs, but Baffert looks like he now has half of the shared belief field. Only four more races left, to four more chances to collect points. Today's shared belief, next week's Travers is a big race. Uh, actually, two races next weekend as they run the Ellis Park Derby on Sunday, and then the Pegasus, your last chance um, this year's Lexington, perhaps, for the uh, Kentucky Derby field. So, uh, yeah, be working on the trying to finish up Tis the Law, Authentic, Honor AP, New York Traffic, Art Collector in the top five there. And if you want to kind of move down to the bottom, like Thousand Words appears to be in is, is part of this as well. So, um, yeah, we'll have to follow that moving forward here. Wanted to now maybe hit the, uh, the Bing Crosby here. This is, uh, by the way, the shared belief, as I mentioned earlier, is real early in the card. So even though it's 5.30 East Coast time, it's only the second race. So don't let that catch you off guard. In the Bing Crosby here, we get some of the older horses. Uh, McKenzie. I, you know, McKenzie is just one of those horses. It's I hate to call overrated, but I, two to one in this in this field, uh, and the horse just doesn't. It just seems to be a little amiss. As you find McKenzie vulnerable today in the in the Bing Crosby, the tenth race, um, which runs at nine thirty at Del Mar. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts so far um, in that field? He's very vulnerable. So vulnerable, he scratched. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, that makes it easier for you, Nick. Share, share my thought there a little bit. Uh, any other scratches in that race? Uh, Doctor Radio's out. Uh, uh, Doctor Radio Star. Sorry for that. Mitchell Bradley probably had a sentimental pick there. Radio Star. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so the scratch is there. What, what does that leave us? Field nine left in that one. Obviously, Bing Crosby started Del Mar with the surf by the turf song, and uh, he was there opening day at Del Mar. So for the old people, it's very sentimental for the Bing Crosby fans of the world. Um, nine to two, collusion, illusion is uh, and Desert Van uh, about nine to two. A very good betting race if you're not going to Carbon Leaf concerts or something. Nine thirty tonight's a good time to flip on TVG and enjoy the Bing Crosby. It's a late race for the East Coast, but uh, it's a big day at, at Del Mar and an even bigger day at Saratoga. Yes, you mentioned Saratoga. Uh, Let's start maybe there with the Whitney. Uh, this has improbable code of honor who finished eventually got awarded, moved up to third in the Kentucky Derby after this, the disqualification. We've seen a lot of short fields at Colonial Downs so far, but that doesn't that hasn't made them less exciting. And that's kind of the situation here in the Whitney, only a five horse field. Uh, you know, I, I'm riding by my standards a little bit. I just like the way that horse is running, um, even though he's taking a step up from grade two level to grade one here to go against Improbable and Tom's Detot um, and Code of Honor in this field. Uh, it's it, it's only five horses, but there are a lot of choices. Yeah, if there you're riding go. by my standards, I'm not betting him. <laughs> yeah. I need yeah, a, a little be bit, a little bit of an overweight. Yeah, <laughs> need a better jockey. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. Oh, yeah. No, Tom Stiant, uh three to four at Toga, at Toga, the big race here. The Whitney goes off at 542 on national TV. Um, Code of Honor, uh, my pick is two to two at, at uh, Saratoga and won the Travers last year. So a little bit of an upset there over to- Tom Stiant, but it starts a pick three and a pick four off. So, you know, it's kind of a – actually, Shug had a good day at Colonial Downs, good meet at Colonial Downs, so – if he wins on Code of Honor, you know, Shug will be uh, uh, very – I'll be very happy with his his uh, wins here this week. Code of Honor is my pick in that race, Nick. Okay. Yeah, I'm not riding by my standards. I'm not even handling these horses. That's what makes me in awe of all the people, the grooms and the jockeys and the forest voices of the world that just are, are naturals with these horses. Let's maybe get the Jerkins in. I think we can get that in before we head out. And uh, this is a grade one. This one does have a full field of 11 uh, before scratches. Um, tell us about the Jerkins. Yeah, the last horse I rode, Nick, was Lake Tahoe, and the horse is still cussing. <laughs> what the beep, right? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Jerkins, great great tribute to the great trainer. Uh, two rings, I mean eight rings here, also named after uh, New England football coach. Belichick here. If you're a New England fan, lover, or hater, you can bet on eight rings, the number two horse in this race. It's a huge field. No paroles in this race. That's the one I go with because I'd never get parole if they put me in. Uh, loser, he lost by 50 and has only lost to Nadell, but he's won every other race. So no paroles, my pick in that race. It's a big field, so look it over, Nick. <laughs> Wanted just a quick thought in the waning moments here on off to the races. Thoughts on Colonial? Yeah, you fight COVID, you fight the heat, and now you fight ease, if I pronounce it right, hurricane. I mean, the trifecta of trouble uh, <laughs> hits Colonial Downs. We've done the best we can with, uh, like you said, Pletcher winning, Farmington Road winning a big win, and um, 
should be headed to the Virginia Derby. That's the good part. Pletcher will have a horse in the Virginia Derby. Okay. And Karen Dennehy was obviously the story with what the beep. There you go. Thanks, Derby Bill. Appreciate your handicapping and want to thank Forrest Boys, Jason Beam, Frank Fesby, Daryl Wood, and of course, Mitchell. Appreciate your work today. We'll see you next week on Off to the Races. Enjoy the racing action. Catch, Check it out. Live racing at Colonial this week. From the starting Law Firm Studios, your personal injury attorneys. 99.5 and 1027 ESPN. WXGI Richmond. ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Christine Lisi, breaking news. At least four more members of the Cardinals have tested positive for COVID-19.